Friends, I bring you good news this morning. This is good news that isn't new, and it's from a story that's ancient but never old. I invite you now to lean in and listen well and listen carefully to these words from the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, verses 1, from eight, one through 8. So this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what's right. For my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who's bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, who hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to serve the Lord, to love the name of the Lord, to worship the Lord. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel declares, I will gather others also. Gather them in with those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some words in this text that I had never hoped to say from a pulpit, but here we are. <laughs> so the background for this text is Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet, you know this, you've read the suffering servant passages. We've probably read this before, but whenever you preach, you go deeper and deeper and deeper. So Isaiah is preaching and teaching and prophesying about an exile to come. The land is about to fall into the hands of the Babylonians. They're knocking at the gate. And so the exile has not yet come yet, but Isaiah is saying, you're gonna go into exile. You will go away, but there is redemption to come. You will be gathered back. I can think of a few parallels to today in that, that we go into exile and then we come back. And the people of Israel were going, were thinking, so what's going to happen to us? We're going to be scattered. We'll lose all cohesiveness. We won't be together. Will we still be a people? And Isaiah tells them, remember what the Lord says. This is from the Lord. Quotation marks, direct from God. This is what was given to Isaiah. 
keep the Sabbath without desecrating it. He's not just talking about the Sabbath day. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the whole of the law. He's saying be who you are. You are people who have a relationship with God. This is a shorthand way of saying continue to be followers of God. And this is the refrain throughout this passage. Did you notice some repetition? That usually means really pay attention. What he's saying is be who you are wherever you are. Be who you are. Um, so it's not a case of what happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. That's not it at all. You don't leave the Holy Land. You don't leave this land that we associate as being the land of God and go somewhere else, someplace foreign, and lose who you are. Uh, when my husband and I travel, we go to, to worship on Sunday mornings, right? We, wherever we are, that's what we do. When we um, eat, wherever we eat, we ask a blessing, we return thanks. Most of the time, sometimes we do forget, right? But that's just who we are. That's just what we do. We are who we are wherever we are. At home last year, when we were worshiping outside of the, the sanctuary, when, when you were in your living room and the text was read, did you say to yourself or to the TV or the computer or the people who you were worshiping with, the cat, right? Thanks be to God. Did you do that? Yeah. Because we are who we are wherever we are. It's supposed to be that way. On Sunday, you're who you are. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're still who you are. We are a people of God claimed by the covenant. And that's the other thing that Isaiah says. Keep the Sabbath. Be who you are wherever you are. And then hold fast to the covenant. Hold fast. Cling to the covenant. It's not going to look the same. It's not going to feel the same. It's not going to be the same. You need to cling to the covenant. You need to cling to what you know. You need to cling to the agreement that God has made. Remember, God chose us. Do you remember that covenant with Abraham? God said, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. God initiated the covenant. And he's chosen us. And he wants to relate to us. He cared enough committed enough that even Jesus dying on the cross for us, right? That came for us. That redemption, a whole different type of redemption foretold in the Old Testament and then that happened as we read in the New Testament that Jesus came to redeem us from our sin. So Isaiah says, you're going to go into exile. Be who you are, wherever you are. Hold fast to the covenant. And you're going to come back, but you're not coming back alone. You're going to come back with foreigners and eunuchs, because where did they come from? Those are going to be your neighbors. So foreigners, people who were not part of the land of Israel, people who were different from the people of Israel, and then eunuchs were often people in power. They had... Um, many times responsibilities in what we would think of as uh, governments and, and also uh, important houses. And so these folks, how, are, how in the world are they going to be part of the family of God? How is that going to happen? Well, they're the neighbors. Be who you are, wherever you are. And your relationship with God, who you are, 
right? It's going to filter out through. So these folks are going to be gathered in. Let them into your community. Bring them into your community. Um, I thought, so what do you call a foreigner who marries your son? You call her your daughter-in-law, right? Part of the family. And, and what do you call these outsiders who come into your family, who are your co-workers? You call them your colleagues. They're not outsiders. Visitors and guests who come in, they're part of us. When new people come into a congregation, it changes the definition of the congregation. Um, Greeks, Romans, Ethiopians, all that. Uh, we all come in together. And we've all been outside. We've all been outside, haven't we? Here's what Paul says. This is in the, in the translation from the message. In Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. You are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building, and he's building a holy temple. It's a holy temple built by God, a temple in which God is quite at home. So we're all, we've all been out, and now God has welcomed us in. With Matthew 28, where we're sent out to make disciples of all nations, folks come back. There will be an influence um, people who believe in God, who have experienced the grace of God, who've had that burden lifted. Can you remember a time, it could have been very recently, when you had something that you needed to confess to God or to someone else? When you needed to let that burden go, remember how that felt? Lord, I am not all that, and I don't need to pretend that I've got it all together. And when you let that go, that experience, that release, that peace that comes, other people see that in your life. And other people will come with you. I do wonder sometimes if there are folks that I exclude because sometimes I'll meet someone and I'll say, boy, she'd really be a good fit at our church. Or wouldn't it be great if they came to church? And I started thinking, when I, when I focus on these folks, when I when I say these people would be a really good fit, am I excluding others, right? Are there folks that I have somehow in my mind said they're not uh, respectful enough, they're not religious enough, they're not interested enough, they're not sober enough, they're not like me in the way I look or talk or think or anything? Is there room? Yes, there's room. There is room. Lives will change, and we will become a people who are changed. I have a story to tell you about a man that I met when I was living in California. I was a deacon, and I, part of my job as a deacon in the church was to contact people who visited. We had little cards, and they would fill them out. So they gave me my stack of cards, and I called this woman, and I said, uh, I'm Rainey. Glad you came to visit. Is there anything we can do for you? We hope you'll come again. And this woman said to me, well, yes, we'll come again, and you'll know us because we don't fit. We're the people who don't fit. We had like 200 people in a service. 
there's room. You can fit. There's, everybody fits. She said, my son is deaf. We're the ones who don't fit. So you're going to feel this shiver like I do every time. I had just completed my degree in sign language interpreting. I said, oh, you'll fit. You come on. And we became a congregation of hearing people, not just hearing people. We went from that to being a congregation of hearing people and deaf people. Do you see we are changed, our identity is changed by who comes? So what does this redemption look like? We're going to be who we are, wherever we are. And who we are, who we look like as a people is going to change. And we're going to cling fast to that covenant that God cares for us, that Jesus is for us, that this house is for us. Okay? What's this going to look like when folks actually start coming into the church who are different from us? Our identity will change. But think about this as a party. I started thinking about this text as a party. You've got to do the preparation, right? You have to maintain justice. You have to be prepared for people who feel like they don't fit. We need to make sure that everybody knows that who they are is just fine. None of us came clean to the bathtub, right? So if, if their lives are going to change when they come to us, what's that going to look like? It's going to be joy in a house of prayer. We are a people who are made to have conversations with God. We have a relationship with God, and it's both ways. We talk to God. God speaks to us. This is a glorious gathering. I know you've thought of this analogy. When you look at a tapestry, all the different colors of threads and yarns that come in to make that beautiful picture, and the fabric is strengthened because of it. Obviously, God likes variety. Obviously, God likes diversity. Look at us. How different can we be, right? From one another, and God likes it all. The colors that you see, have you, well, those of you who are painters already have this. How many different colors of green do we have? All those different colors, and God loves this. God created us different for a reason, and he brings us together. He wants to hear our prayers in different languages, in different accents. He wants to hear us in different ways. This is a glorious gathering. This is a glorious prayer. It's like a symphony. All of our different instruments coming together. This is God's vision for us. This is what God wants. And God says, my house will be known as a house of prayer. God's going to make this happen. As we go out and bring in and gather, be who you are. Cling to the promises of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.